six hits. When that happens, the rifle simultaneously runs out of power. Now, you weird and wonderful pilot, how are you gonna get out of this town? Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best Gundam Seed podcast. Fight me for it. My name is Jeremy. I use Gundam Javelin. I'm Tyler. I'm liking those trench coats. My name is Zach. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, man. I just noticed they're all wearing trench coats. The Zaf trench coats are pretty cool. Although I don't think the desert is the appropriate environment for a trench coat. I was going to say, I think those are their like dress uniforms, but maybe not. They look awfully Star Wars Imperial Legion. Anyway, we're going to be watching episode 18 of Gundam Seed today, Payback. Oh yeah, I was actually looking for the title of this episode and never actually saw it anywhere. I'm sure it's there. Man, before we get to that, do we have anything to talk about? I forgot how to start this podcast. Last week, I forgot to ask for high points and low points. Oh wow. So maybe (laughs) maybe before we release it, we'll record this, but probably not, Eh. because last week's episode is kind of mediocre. Oh, I remember, there was something I wanted to ask you, Tyler. Last episode, you said that Kiragali is now your favorite ship. Yeah, I mean, obviously, because she's, like, vaguely Sundere about it. Especially at the end of this episode. That just <laughs> that I mean, makes it that much better. <laughs> so you like it more than Kiratherin? Oh. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think I do, actually. Um, I, I think there's probably more chemistry for Kiratherin, but I like Kirigali. So, like, I the just... show is definitely trying to push Kirigali, right? Because if you look at Kira's perspective, he, like, just landed the girl he's had a crush on for at least a year, let's say. Like, that's, you know, total fantasy moment for him. He's got to feel pretty good despite it turning him into a big jerk. But from, like, the objective audience point of view, we know that Flay is a manipulative jerk who is just trying to, like, kill people via Kira and then get him killed. So I think from our perspective, we're supposed to super ship Kigali because she's, you know, kind of the first girl. We did see Flay first in the series, but she showed up in that first episode and then was gone. And now she's back and, like you said, being so Sundere. She's got her Sundari punch and everything. <laughs> well, Although, and she tends to actually treat Kira uh, like an equal. Well, whereas, oh, she also uh, doesn't know Flay that he's a kinda, coordinator. So. Flay kind of doesn't, and Lacus, like when you, when you first encounter <laughs> oh, Lacus, Lacus has a tendency in, that, in those first couple of episodes to kind of look like she's talking down at Kira. It depends. You can definitely see it that way, right? Especially if you're under the impression that she is just conning all those people which i think is a very valid interpretation of events <laughs> whereas this is just too good under pressure to on, not be on the other side of things kigali is much more grounded and actually speaking on equal footing she, she does have her moments but that's kind of she like might be she's just a rounded racist. character she she is she she's very rounded although flay is pretty complex and rounded too she's just she's just also a horrible person but exactly. she has her nice moments we haven't really seen many of them yet 
I just realized that Flay is definitely Yandere, and Kigali is clearly Sundere, but Lacus isn't Kudere at all. No. I have never heard of a Kudere. They're like Rei Ayanami from Evangelion is usually cited as the main one, but she doesn't really fit it. It's mostly characters that are like, ah, oh, people like Rei, let's make a character like Rei. But like the cool standoffish sort. Oh, okay. I've, quite a few of them that I have, I've, I've seen that character, but I've never heard those described. Yeah. The Ku but... literally comes from the English word cool, like cold. Cool. Well, I guess it's because, you know, when people are talking about that kind of thing, Sundari and Yandere are the ones that are more popular. Yeah. Popular yeah. slash funny to meme about. Well, so that's what comes up? Yeah, it's almost like, you know, standoffish and not caring is not super entertaining. Well, you could probably make it entertaining, actually. We've also talked about how when Gundam Seed introduces characters, one of the tricks it really likes is to use foils. And clearly here it's setting up Rambo as a foil to Kigali, who's being super violent and angry and active. But Rambo, I can't even remember his real character name. Dude I, has a name. He it's does. actually I kind love, of a cool name. I actually do know what it is. But, but I can't ever remember what it is. There's a scene in this where they're like picking her up and he's just in the back of the Jeep like looking for it. Like I love the way they painted him there. The true ship of the show though is Kiramaru. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I'm, well, I'm sure there's fan art. I'm sure there's fan art of that somewhere. I mean, there's a reason her breasts are always bouncing in the intro. I was going to say, I think it's space and Kira- and Maru's boobs is the real shit. <laughs> I've talked about how in uh, Gundam Build Fighters, there's a perverted old man character who's like, let's talk about our favorite Gundam characters. My favorite is Maru Ramius. And it literally is just a montage of her oh, on, the, on the captain's chair doing, you know, Star Trek wobbles. <laughs> Star Trek wobbles. Ugh. I'm just imagining Riker. All right. So I think that's good for our shipping right now. Ever, really, the best couple is Tom Muriella, right? They're just not interesting because yeah. they're clearly right for each other. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's hard to ship anything because it's like, yeah, yeah, that's right on time. Yeah, they're like that's, reasonable people who care about each other and like they don't really have problems because they like communicate. Their stuff. problems are external. They don't have relationship problems. Yeah. Their relationship problems are we are in a war now. How did that happen? <laughs> well, also, <laughs> also, their relationships problems are Kira's bang and Flay. Yeah, and let's avoid Sai, Sai Kira and Flay for a while. <laughs> their relationship problems are relationship problems that their friends are having yeah. and they're trying to avoid. Cuzzy, just... suddenly you're our friend. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Cuzzy's in the show? What? I haven't seen him for What's a Cuzzy? <laughs> I just imagine what Tall and Millie do. They're just like hanging around playing Yahtzee or something while all this other stuff is going on. Tall, I need your help. Not getting involved. One more thing I want to talk about. Uh, this is something that I thought happened for a later episode uh, but that I realized, no, it was definitely like two episodes ago. I want to talk a little bit about how this show for babies definitely just had a sex scene between two of its main characters. I mean, it was implied sex scene. I almost would have thought that they didn't do anything except for the fact that she's naked. Yeah, and her clothes are like on the next bed. And... Maybe they just had a really intense makeout session. It happens. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens because you're about to have sex and the red alert goes off. Okay, yeah, that's that's true. Or or the red alert, bow chicka bow wow. Damn you, Zaf, yeah, you the interrupted ri- me. The writers and directors actually didn't get paid for that episode because of the number of complaints from mothers. Really? Yeah, because this is a show for babies to sell them toys. I can actually kind I... of understand that. I think it's stupid, but I can understand it. I mean, this is not exactly, like, a piece of high art, but it's pretty decent, and it examines some pretty complex and, like, adult concepts no. that are not sex. Yeah, no, and I definitely think it earns that sex scene. It's not there just for titillation. 
they should be more angry about Athern and Millie in the shower and all those boob bounces in the opening scene. Yeah, uh, really, the awkward fan service actually kind of feels out of place in this show sometimes. The Atherin one do- stuff doesn't. Like, the stuff for girls feels right to me. Maybe it's just because Gundam Wing makes me think fan service aimed at girls is part of Gundam. Yeah, and Wing definitely was. I mean, don't you want to see shirtless Amaro? No. No one <laughs> no. wants that. That's why he can't keep a steady girlfriend. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all kept dying. I mean, Beltachica is all over him in Zeta Gundam, but she's nowhere to be found come Char's counterattack. <laughs> he has a new girlfriend then, though, so. He she gets a nope. variety of girls. None of them stay. All of them nope out of that. He has some angst issues for a while, and then, like, he has His, that white guy. He has guy. space PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> And he has the white guy fro, and like really, no one's into that. I like the one guy that's a that starts off with a ball pilot out of 08 MS team. Chiro, everyone likes 08 MS team though, because 08 MS team is great. It's pretty except good. for the awkward Romeo and Juliet Romeo story and Juliet. that is the main plot. Yes, <laughs> everything else about 08 MS team is great. The, the Romeo and Juliet plot, not so much. All right, so Get into my ball. No, <laughs> alternatively, you can pilot my balls any day. I don't like you like that, Tyler. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not really. He has to give you a mechanical bird under a cherry tree first. Exactly. And a nice seafood dinner. I see. The real problem with Kiratherin is that Kira clearly isn't interested back. That is true. It's mostly one-sided there. Although, I mean, Atherin, he expresses his love to a lot of people, but then I'm thinking about the annoying-ass thing he gave Lackis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I showed thing, you that comic. Yes. <laughs> I showed you that comic, right, where uh, yeah. Kira's like, yeah, Atherin built this birdie for me. And and Lackis is like, oh, yeah, he built Haro for me, too. And then, he, like, birdie is, like, flapping. And so he's like, huh, yours articulates a lot more, and it can fly. <laughs> He built this for me. He built this for me. He hated you, too? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> let's face it, they're both really annoying. Although I feel like Haro is easily more annoying than Birdie. Oh, Haro gets better. Better? Or better with okay, quotation there's marks? Some, there's some good Haro stuff. Like, there's not any, like, uh, Haro is great stuff, but there are some really good Haro background gags in this series. Dublot has the best Haro gag, though. The you suck. Yes. That's not even a gag. That's a joke. Yes, you know, still best one. One giant key. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that, let's go ahead and watch episode 18 of Gundam Seed Payback. Yeah, that's how you do. That's how My I mind keeps it. adding a subtitle. Paybacku. Is yep. that better? No. That's because it's really short for like an anime title. Like, shouldn't it be like... Battle in the Clouds, Luke father, Luke's Father Revealed. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, for whatever reason, I keep... I don't know why, but I keep getting like a Samuel Jackson... Motherfucker added the back of that. Payback. Counterattack of the Desert Tiger? Payback. Kigali gets slapped. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode begins with uh, Sexy, Sexy Rumble Rawl giving a debriefing to his pilots, telling them they're about to attack Tassel. Uh, it's actually really just the last time on. That happened last episode, didn't it? That's not yeah, new footage. I'll, like, the first while is a quick recap of everything that happened, which I found kind of weird because, like, there wasn't that much going on in this episode that I really felt that we needed to recap. Yeah, well, they want to see that tension. You to see that tension between Flay, Kira, and Sai again, and Kigali snooping on him. Plus, the battle scene in this episode is almost oh. new animation, so they had to recycle some somewhere. So I love during the recap they have the scene where uh, Flay's like, "I was in Kira's room last night," and then it immediately cuts to rockets launching. <laughs> well, of course, shots fired. <laughs> 
Okay, I was thinking a uh, slightly different visual metaphor, but... <laughs> I feel like that metaphor works for that visual metaphor. So, these guys are zapped, right? Is there, like, a name of their division? The, the Desert guys Tiger the guys? <laughs> oh, that's what we forgot. We forgot to tell everybody about... We forgot our recap. So, if you're new, uh, Kira Yamato, he's Captain America. He should be a bad guy, but he's uh, with the Earth Forces. Mulaflaga is the best. He's super <laughs> cash. Kira is having sex with his friend's size girlfriend, Flay, because he has a mad crush on her. Flay is, uh, is Cersei Lannister and trying to manipulate events into everyone's death. Atherin isn't in this episode. Uh, and Sexy Rambaral is Sexy Rambaral. <laughs> sexy Rambaral as himself. <laughs> also, DaCosta. <laughs> yeah, oh, DaCosta's my favorite character. Not actually, but... <laughs> he's underrated. Not even... People like DaCosta. He's better than Rambo. <laughs> I can't <laughs> help but laugh every time. So, so then we get so the bad. opening sequence, obviously, and uh, my compatriots are schoolboys who giggle every time they say boobs. Uh, I am, no, that, it's just so badly animated. <laughs> it's like one is going up while the other one's going down. It's And that was added for the HD version. <laughs> it's really bad. Also, remember, growing older is mandatory. Growing up is optional. I choose not to grow up if I don't absolutely have to. So one scene I want to talk about in this opening now is the one of Kagali and Kira standing next to each other with Splay looking at them over her like shoulder. Mildly concerned. Yeah, I really like that. And again, I think it helps set up that you're supposed to be shipping Kirgali now, even oh. though they haven't had much screen time or like any romantic tension. Although Kagali seeming like shocked that Kira with, with Flay, I guess, counts as interest on her part. Yeah, although maybe she just, I mean, that kid obviously can't have a girlfriend. I love how Zaft comes up to the village and was like, hey, we're going to start shooting now, you should run. And somehow they managed not to kill anyone, despite immediately firing after saying that. Well, no, they did, They don't start, like, they, they give them warning. Theoretically, Jocasta drove in, told everybody to leave, they're going to start shooting, and then drove back. So, okay. I mean, that's like 15 minutes down yeah. there, and then like 15, 20 minutes to come back. Yeah, don't you remember Sexy Rambaral's great DaCosta? Go warn him. Come on, yeah, that's, that's your true. job. <laughs> yeah, we're about to burn the caves. If you don't want to die, run. So, Immediately fires. And then they manage to hit like a two meter wide <laughs> cave entrance. They're coordinators. We used to shoot our womp rats yeah. <laughs> back home. They're not much bigger than two meters. So, basically, they attack some caves because that's where they keep their food and ammo. And Andrew Walfelt is like, yeah, just attack the food and ammo stores. Try not to kill anyone. Says, I want to be a cool dude. Well, to be fair, that actually makes a little bit of sense. Target civilians and you'll really piss people off. It also forces the rebels to move. So I didn't want to talk about this this early. And this is sort of a minefield because I'm not an expert on the geopolitical scale at all. But this episode is super heavy on the invasion of Afghanistan corollary. We've already talked about how bloody valentine is space 911 sort of as a joke but it's super easy to read zaft as an analog for the american forces in the world they're way better than everyone else they have better technology and sort of this almost righteous fury and they've come into this land that hey happens to be in the middle east it sure is coincidence that's where ramba roll got fought huh and they're sort of trying to not attack civilians to just attack military installations and they're still incensing the population and the population is trying really hard to get them out. And also, they're kind of in league with the people who are yeah. actually the aggressors. Yeah, the Earth Alliance as a metaphor for the Taliban doesn't quite work. Although, if you want to dig, there are some scary parallels there, too. But it doesn't work nearly as well as Zaft is America. And I think you're digging too much. So, what do you call them? Scarallels? I don't think I'm digging at all. And neither does the internet. 
Well, the internet will make up anything it wants. It knows every continuity mistake ever made in television. I don't really think I'm digging much at all, because this is during the invasion of Iraq is when this is being written. And I think the parallels are very clear, especially when you consider the awkward political situation it put the Japanese in, where the Americans were suddenly asking for their help in armed conflict, when the Americans wrote into their constitution, hey, don't get involved in armed conflicts. Hey, you can't have an army anymore. Go us. We sure did help with that reconstruction. Um, to be fair, post-war economic miracle yeah. has happened 100% of the time a country has had nuclear devastation unleashed on it. Coincidence? <laughs> I think No, not. because there's actually no pattern. It's, we have one data point. I really don't think I'm digging much at all, though. The resistance fighters are very much that. They're a little bit like Katra's uh, Maganak Corps, but they don't have much other parallels in Gundam. And it's not like Katra's a super popular character anywhere. <laughs> but it's I'm, his fault there's no air in space. I'm super distracted by the awkward animation that you paused it on. <laughs> I just, I love Flay's face in this frame. And she's just like, huh? <laughs> it's so out of character for well, her, too. They're, they're all very like derpy, that. but no, sorry. I, I'm, I'm just, it's staring me right in the face. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case, although you do have a good point, and Gundam is, and kind of always has been, very over the top, and we're going to beat you upside the head with, uh, our anti-war message. Well, yeah. I mean, it's awfully politically motivated, and I think anytime they can draw parallels or real-world scenarios, they try to. I just think some of them are less clumsy about it than others well i think this one is i don't want to say subtle but i don't feel like i'm digging it's on the surface but again zaf doesn't feel like america not just because they're ostensibly the villain but there aren't a lot of political parallels but they're not hard to find either uh and this episode especially is really about the circle of conflict but that's already a major theme of the series we get it mostly from having atherin and kira's perspectives we get to see both sides basically just retaliating and i think that's really emphasized with andrew waltfelt who is trying to be a good guy here and just burn down military <laughs> supplies and things that can attack them but of course as the episode goes on that still enrages all the people and rightfully so but then they all march to their doom i feel like that's actually a theme in most gundam series is the cycle of conflict and how that, it sucks that's, that, for everything that, well that's what jeremy was saying is that uh, that's a central theme in gundam in general the whole conflict cycle thing and anti-war i stuff. thought it was commenting specifically on this i series. sort of am because while definitely zach's right it's anti-war message is not subtle gundam's never has been the original plan was to kill amuro ray because war sucks in the final episode what I'm getting at is the circle of conflict, the idea of retaliation and both sides being on the right, has never really been done as well as in Gundam Seed. And they're able to do that because we have viewpoint characters on both sides. Yeah, and like Shar and, and Ramba Rall in the original series are kind of good people, but they're still clearly bad guys. So Kigali starts running to go help fight. The other teenagers are just kind of bewildered. Meanwhile, desert forces run to leave. Yeah, they run to the cars to go shoot bazookas at things. And Mu and Maru have a weirdly casual sort of talk about what they're going to do about this. I mean, it's super in character for Mu, but it seems a little odd for Maru to be as casual as she almost is. Yeah, like, all well, the officers seem way more casual off the ship. Mu is talking. Hers still sounds like a professional type of thing, whereas Mu is very much the, I'm... You know, out there, I'm, I'm very cool. I don't really have a problem with her asking him to go. Well, she, she asks him to go, not orders him to go. Check it out. Because she's 
not been in command for that long, relatively speaking. He's got more experience in her and was actually her superior officer at the outset of the series. And he's got a scout plane, basically, so it, he's the one who makes it the most sense to send anyway. I would like to point out, I mean, just a random thing. Pay attention to Moose eyelashes, because they're fantastic. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Look at them. <laughs> I, I, I believe you. But that conversation actually seems in character to me, even for her. Because her asking him what he thinks, because he's got, again, more experience than her in this kind of thing, makes sense. And then when she actually starts talking about what to do, you know, moving the Archangel is a bad idea. That's just thinking out loud. And then asking him to go feels like it's in character. I suppose it's not even that she's out of character so much as we've seen her really push to her limits up to this point, And now she's had a nap and yeah. been around the thing. <laughs> and she seems a lot calmer now. Yeah. I think the Which other I actually like super stressed. Well, the so. other point is what's going on is not attacking the archangel. That's true, but it could Th- lead this to is that. an external attack against somebody else. It could lead to an attack against the archangel, which is why they're concerned. But she's not super high strung because it's not like her ship is being shot at. Yeah. Like every other plight that we've seen the Archangel in. And I suppose when you're talking about Kira and the teenagers, they were involved with the Gundam, so they kind of got involved that way, in a way that these people haven't. So Moo agrees to go check it out in the Sky Grasper. I Which don't know what accent that was. I do <laughs> kind of like name of the Sky Grasper. I just like the Sky Grasper, to be honest. I like the Sky Grasper, too. It's like the core fighter, but cooler. I like how they're rushing out to war. And Kigali gets offered a ride, and she's like, yeah, while she's ho- holding a rocket launcher. <laughs> From Ahmed, who is, like, a character she's interacted with, and Rambo just silently jumps on the thing with, like, four bazookas. And <laughs> <laughs> a pack that's got away, like, 80 pounds. And Maru needs a megaphone to hurt her cat crew. But Kira, very responsibly, just starts running to his battle station. Sai gets kind of emotional, or rather, we're reminded that Sai is kind of emotional right now. And then Flay gets pissed at him for it. And then he, like, says, you idiot, but it's very clear he's talking to himself, and is man, it? I, it is to me. Actually, I wasn't it, it sure does... whether he was talking about him, Kira, or Flay. Actually, <laughs> I, I think he's talking about all three of them, because it's, again, not, not entirely clear. It says it after everybody else leaves. So, And I could actually see him in that instance talking about all three people, but not being entirely sure which one he's talking about. Sai seems like the kind of guy who would self-deprecate in that manner. Exactly. And, like, I'm not a super expert on Japanese. That's going to come up more later. But both ways, the way both actors deliver the line, both the English dub and the Japanese, it really sounds like, you know, you're hitting yourself like, God, I'm such an idiot. On the Which is not hand, what he says, but, like, and that's, like, not what you say to the person who stole your girlfriend, right? Well, yeah, unless you suddenly, like, really don't trust her anymore, then you're like, you're a fool for trusting her. Yeah, you say. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm she, obviously stretching. I, I could actually but, kind of see that because she kind of did a massive 180 with regards to Kira. That's true. Like, he's got to be confused. I totally get where he's coming from, but that seems super self deprecating to me. And, like, he's in this weird situation. He also just joined the military for her. And then he uh, got dumped. <laughs> like, like I said, I, I kind of think he's talking about all three people but not entirely sure which one he's talking about. I think in character, in kayfabe, he's talking to himself, but I think it does work as a, like, to the audience, yes, they're all kind of in bad situations, because they're all dumb teenagers who don't know what they're doing. They'll get better. And they're being shot at. Yeah, well, their friends are being shot at down the road. (laughs) They're they're going to be shot at soon. So the Desert Dawn drives to the city, that's on fire. Kigali gets serious eyes. 
Yeah, she's not wearing her goggles, which you normally see her wearing in the Jeep. Everybody else is wearing their goggles. But not her this time. Her goggles are useless. Really quick, they're like sorting a bunch of things to go help out the Desert Dawn defend the village because they don't know that the village doesn't need defending. But we get this like tableau of the Gundam getting ready to launch, but like everything's still happening in real time. Except this one guy who's like pilot guy. (laughs) Uh, Ground crew. Yeah, thank you. A ground crew guy who's just sitting there with his arms stretched out and his mouth open, doing nothing at all while everyone else is like... He's telling everyone to get clear. Don't get stepped on by a giant robot piloted by a no, horny he's, teenager. He's not moving. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's he's what Tyler's in, saying. Is yeah. that he's like a he's like a standy. <laughs> yeah, he gets he's still in frame for a long time while there's a lot of action going on, and he's like it's the only still shot the entire time. That's what it is. They're so short on gra- on uh, ground <laughs> troops. <laughs> that that is just a standy dolls. of a guy. <laughs> the Costa just got back from helping Team C in Europe. And Walfelt's like, did anyone die? He's like, oh, no, probably. I'm sure some old guy tripped or some woman who's on, like, medical support didn't make it. But we didn't shoot anybody. And uh, Walfelt somewhat disparaging, like, all right, let's get out of here before the people with guns show up. Costa's like, what? Isn't the whole plan to shoot them when they come here? And Wolfelt's like, nah, that's cheating. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I like how he's like, that wouldn't be fair. I'm like, man, you already have way more firepower than they do. Well, it's not fair anyway. I, well, the thing that really makes it is he's, you know, he's like, that wouldn't be fair. And his eyes are really big. Like, he's <laughs> he's just, he's so startled and shocked yeah. by the fact that someone even suggests such a to thing. Me, I don't think it's that. I think he is shocked. Shocked to find gambling in this establishment. <laughs> I really like Wolfelt as a character. Oh, he's pretty great. Says, you know, we're we're going back, and he's got this real sly, shit-eating grin on his face when he says it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's just he's just got this massive shit-eating grin on his face, like, I'm good. Because I complain when the animation is bad a lot, the animation is fantastic in this episode. And I think this is when the effect of Gundam Seed being super popular starts to hit and they start getting a big budget upgrade. It also could be that they saved a lot of uh, animation budget for this episode, but I'm not so sure about that. We've definitely had animation uh, saving techniques, but not as much as in a lot of other series. So Moo flies over the town and is like, huh, lots of people survive. That's weird. Like a lot. They, they did not give Maru's face a lot of detail in this shot. That's, she's just so stunned. So the Desert Dawn show up and they're like, hey, our wives and childs are alive and our old people. And then one guy starts going, what? What about this other guy? Is he dead? And Moo's, like, still smiling about it while this is happening. They're like, Hassan? Has anyone seen Hassan? And Moo's like, job well done. That guy's dead. <laughs> no, I, I think that's just a trick of the animation, because he didn't look like he was actually grinning to me. And the Tarl shows up with the Jeep of medical supplies that Maru sent over. Uh, and I do like that she sends her uh, expendable officer out. <laughs> so we get this old guy and, I guess, Saib's son. I think he's supposed to be Saib's dad. He's like the village leader. And he's sort of our point of view character for these villagers. And basically, he's like, well, none of us died. It was a miracle. But all of our food went boom and also our guns. So what are we going to do now? Although I like as they're relating this story, they're like, we went to go run away. And the kid's like, yeah. This guy tripped, and he's smiling while he says it, and Sahib's like, yeah, <laughs> he tripped. I mean, I, he's very obviously right there, but... And now they're complaining, oh no, we have no supplies, we're gonna die because we're in a desert. Yep. Which is a fair point to make. And again, I think this is supposed to be sort of commentary on the United States going in and being surprised that people in Afghanistan and Iraq were not happy to see them. 
or maybe not even surprised, but trying talking about how naive that attitude might have been. Moo even goes up to say, hey, uh, you know, you should be happy that none of you died, which is kind of a fair point. But the rebels also have a good point of, yeah, but like, what are we supposed to do? And Kigali, again, gets full angry in your face mode and Moo is like, oh, oh I've uh, made a mistake here. <laughs> I need to practice my dodge foo. Smooth move. <laughs> but like Moose got a point. He they burned down a town, but they didn't actually kill anybody. And they definitely could have, right? And yeah, well, yeah, they didn't have to warn anybody. They could have just burned the whole thing down and killed everyone there. But talking about the cycle of retaliation, again, I, this is really clear how it comes up because the resistance fighters kind of have a point. They can, uh, they're basically just under the thumbs of the Zaft guys. They can do whatever they want to them. And Kigali, as an idealized teenager, is super upset about this. Well, and then they basically go to mount a counterattack. And like, guys, y- you have no way to counter any of that. Well, before that, uh, Moo's like... <laughs> oh, man, I love that. Where he's like, well, yep, what a bad guy. That <laughs> well, desert tiger it's, it's there. It's great, because he, he, like, he looks over and like Sahib and this other guy are talking. And then he's getting down at Kigali, who's just glaring up at him. And he just gets the expression of, oh, I, uh, angry teenager. I'm going to just agree so I don't get into this massive argument. Yeah, I already saw her punch Kira, and he's a badass. Yeah, and then he, like, turns and looks behind him, and everyone else is glaring at him. He's like, ah, including even, even <laughs> the Tarl. <laughs> So then Saeb goes over and a bunch of angry guys are like, we're totally going to counterattack with our guns. And he's like, you know, they have giant robot tigers, right? It's like, yeah, what are we going to do? Just let them do whatever they want. And again, I think this is a pretty good metaphor for the people in Iraq going up against uh, Americans who have tanks and everything. They're never going to be able to beat that invasion force. But I don't know. Maybe they can kill a guy. Yeah, but and Sahib's actually arguing against it, but ends up going with them anyway because it's like, well, they're gonna get well, killed. He's so. in the position where he has to be the leader, and he's sort of like in the spot where he can either go with them and lead, or just co-sign them all to their deaths. And later on, Wellfelt has a really great line about people rather dying than other things, and we'll talk about it more when we get there. But I think this is a very well constructed episode. Also, they left Kigali. If she really needed for anything, she can get really angry at him and like. Almost punched She him. did make the point as, as a teenager, she was the only one able to hit a Baku before. So she tries to go with Saeed, but Saeed wrestles her off the car. But then uh, Ahmed, other teenage guy that I don't know if we've ever talked about before, shows up with Rambo in the backseat and is like, get on. <laughs> <laughs> it looks more like he's on the toilet. To me, it looks like an indifferent face. Like, he's similarly resigned as Saeed, but... Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. I just but... like he's... Like, his body language just looks really goofy to me for some reason. Yeah, it is. Because he's in a ridiculous situation. It all, it look, he, he has the appearance of a guy who's doing a job that he really hates doing, but, like... But this, someone's got to do it, and it sucks, him. and I wish I was anywhere else. I need a vacation. Although, so he... Bet, he's got the same I, look. Yeah, now that I notice that he's actually mirroring the same body language, and I didn't... Now that I actually paused that still to like discuss it for a few seconds, I actually realized what they did there, and that was that's pretty good. Good job, animators. So Saeed says Ahmed driving up on them, and he's like, no, go away. I don't want any teenagers to get murdered. But Ahmed's like, no, we're cool. We were like main characters and stuff. 
Right, and Sahib's counter argument is: Remember how we had that trap we set up? <laughs> you know how we got all the dynamite in the world, and <laughs> yeah, we don't have that it? anymore. Yeah, you know what? We don't have any traps. We're just rushing at them with bazookas, <laughs> which seem to have varying levels of uh, effectiveness. Meanwhile, the teenager crew counters with: There are a lot of ways we can fight, and Rambo and Sahib just exchange a look like. <laughs> That's what I thought you were talking about—that knowing look of, "Yep, we're all gonna get murdered." But I'll keep them safe, don't worry. And Nataral and Moo are having a conversation like Maru and Moo's earlier, but it's far more morbid, with Moo still being, you know, super cash. Like, yep, they're all gonna die. And Nataral's like, that sucks. He's like, yep, what are we gonna do about it? And Nataral gets super like, embarrassed, like, I don't know. She's like, that's why I'm not the commanding officer, Moo. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then you're we- a commander, you outrank me. And then we get the eye catch. Welcome back, Seed fans, to one of the more action-packed episodes we've had in a while. Also featuring one of Zack's favorite combat moments in the entire series, where Kira just drops a shield. It's way cooler than it sounds. As you notice, we've been waxing somewhat philosophic in this episode, which is mostly because Jeremy finally has a forum to vent his long and deep thinkings about the show. Uh, I've got a couple pieces of random email audience interaction stuff. One of these is an email sent directly to us by Eric, who proclaims his undying love for Gundam Seed, despite the harsh judgment of his friends. But you know what? This might be my favorite Gundam series, so I think I agree with you. Unless we're counting G Gundam, which I don't. We also got a comment on our last episode from Richard, who may or may not be Mechanical Horse in our Discord. I haven't actually bothered to check. But he and or they found us on Podbean. He's been fairly active in our Discord, so let that be a lesson. If you want to drop in and chat with some nerds, that's a thing we do sporadically. I don't know that we have a whole lot more in the way of news right this moment. If you found us through something other than your preferred podcatching medium, Go ahead and let us know, and I'll see if I can get that set up for you lickety-split. Because so many people found us on Podbean, I actually went and added our other shows there, so so if that's your thing, we can make it happen. Also, feel free to tweet at us at LTOVGundam, or, as previously mentioned, just drop into our Discord and hang out for a while. We tried to do group gaming days the last Wednesday-ish of every month, so if you're into Vigima games as well as anime, then, hey, now you can hang out with some people you don't know. All right, I think that's all I have to ramble about for now. Let's get back to some sexy Rumble Roll action. Uh, and then cut to Maru reacting and be like, "What? They are all going to their deaths?" And Mu, see this. Here's where Mu is just smiling. Yeah, they're so determined. Also, they would have stabbed me if I had tried to solve them. <laughs> they were gonna shank me. <laughs> so anyway, we now see all the you know basically civilians again now without their food and there's this great scene where Nataral's trying to cheer a kid up and she gives her uh, she gives him basically her candy bar and her hat and it's just Nataral being soft which is a great scene because Nataral's been the hard ass for so long it's really nice to have a scene where it looks like she joined the military for a reason yeah because instead of just I want to go kick people up I want to go screw people up I want to yell at teenagers who are under me and then laugh at people who drop their water bottle in gravity yes (laughs) I mean to be fair she's like she's mostly the rational character so it's yes but we she always comes across as a hard ass we needed a scene where she wasn't the hard ass 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, she's usually right. Like, she has reason. I'm not saying she's not. I'm <laughs> saying that she needed to look something other than a complete and total hard ass throughout the entire series. And then the scene turns into a comedy scene because suddenly there are an army of children around her. Some of which look upset. Some of which look hopeful for candy. And she's like, uh, uh military, not candy, man. <laughs> And she looks around and she's like, what do I do? I imagine she's looking at Moo, and I imagine Moo has the most shit-eating grin of all time. (laughs) I I can actually totally see Moo with, like, a bag of candy bars that he's just kind (laughs) of hanging on the side of the the skygrasp as she's looking at him. With him just kind of smiling and pretending to talk to Maru. With that exact face. (laughs) Yes. So Maru's like, well, I guess I'll send the strike. It's useful. Also, I'll send more water. And again, I like that as a command decision. It's not quite a scouting move. It does have some power. The strike has proven to be effective against multiple Bakus. And because he's taking the ale strike, he can always just leave. Although I've talked about before, here's where they save animation by using the full strike as loading its gear sequence again. Yeah, we really didn't need to get another full shot of this. This might be why I dislike this stretch of the series so much is how many of these we get. I mean, if it was the sword striker and they did this animation again, I can totally see that because we haven't seen that one very often. But the ale strike kind of gets old after a while. Yeah. We see it a lot. It's also the most boring one. I, don't get me wrong. I really like the ale strike, but of the three. I love how the Bakus are just lazily walking behind everyone. Well, presumably they're, they could actually go faster than the jeeps. But they don't want to leave the general behind. And they're actually having a conversation with the Costa's like, hey, shouldn't we book it faster? What if they catch us? And again, super casually, uh, Walt felt, or I should say, sexy Rambaral is like, yeah, you know, why would they come chase us? We will kick their ass 10 times to Sunday. And he's not wrong. This is an interesting part for Walt felt. Uh, he, he, like I said earlier, he has a line where he's like, I often hear people say, I'd rather die, but I wonder if that's really true. And then they find out that they're under attack from the Desert Dawn. Oh no, they've got rockets. Maybe they would rather die. (laughs) So I want to talk about that line. Like I said earlier, I don't really understand Japanese super well, but the English voice actor does this super subtle thing where it almost sounds like this has been his plan all along. Like even before when he's like, yeah, it's fine. We can go slow. It's not like they're going to chase us. It's like I said, it's a very subtle bit of acting, but it almost to me sounds like this was his plan all along. And this is how he's like maybe justifying to himself wiping them out. It also kind of follows with the character because... He can say to himself, I gave them a choice. I gave them an out. They didn't have to come after me. They decided to chase me to fight. I tried to let them go. They forced the issue and they forced my hand. Destroying all their supplies would have forced them to move if they hadn't decided to counterattack instead. I can see what Jeremy's talking about, though. Like, this was a plan that he had. That's why they didn't book it back to base. But, like... Maybe it was a matter of wishful, also wishful thinking on his part that he didn't want this fight. Yeah, I'm really not sure which way it is. And I guess ambiguity is good because it lets us have these conversations. But like I said, it's just a very subtle reading of the English voice actor. And I wish I knew Japanese better to know if there was something similar going on there, but I can't tell. Although the look on his face says maybe. Yeah. Because it's not exactly resigned. True. It, do- it does have kind of the, an expression of, well... I gave him a choice, but I'm not letting them get away now. But it's the same sort of face Moo has all the time, right? And this looks harder. Like, something about the eyebrows makes him look... He he does look harder than Moo, because he doesn't have the same kind of grin that Moo usually has. Because remember, a lot of the time when Moo goes into combat, he has that full helmet, which actually covers the bottom half of his face. True. So what we don't actually see is he's actually grinning like a demon every time. <laughs> so we don't actually tend to see much of 
we don't see Moo's entire game face, if you want to say. And I, my counter argument would be this hard smile might be more because he's like, well, I tried to avoid it and I couldn't. That's the other or argument you could chagrined. say. Yeah. Where he's like, he's laughing because it it stops him from crying. Sort of thing. Yeah. Which I guess you can look at with Moo too, but Moo. I, I, and I could totally see it with both of those characters. Because this series is deep enough that they don't just seem like anime stereotypes. I don't even know what Moo's, like, what would Moo's anime stereotype be? The goofy guy? The Moo the Flaga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's, that's a good way to put it is um, when Moo, or when they first show up and start attacking the uh, sexy Ron Baral, he says, we have no choice. We have to fight back now. Yeah. Which Although is actually a pretty... that's the first pretty... thing he says to his own troops. Well, what's it, what... That should I mean, be a that's... splash page. <laughs> well, that... <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's kind of an important thing because, again, it goes back to what we were saying, where it was his way of being able to lie to himself. Because now I have to fight them. And Jeremy paused it on a fantastic Prince... shot of... <laughs> <laughs> of Kigali... With this big smile, and then uh, Rambo and Ahmed just Rambo with rocket smiling. launchers posing. Like that looks like it could be a shot out of like recruiter, like a, <laughs> a recruiter magazine. Join the military, see the world, shoot bazookas. <laughs> I like how Rambo actually Kigali's is still loaded too. So the, did they just they must have pulled a new one. that animation? Also, that, they had multiple bazookas. They are true. like Gene Starwinding this. Um, I do want to point out one thing because I'm that guy. Technically speaking, those are RPGs. Yeah, not they bazookas. are RPGs. Yes, I agree. They either already reloaded them, or they already handed Kigali a new one just in case she needs to fire again. So, so I'm sad because no one saved these. But uh, in the Cartoon Network run, they edited the guns into what people refer to as disco guns. They just look like disco balls on pistols, and they are hilarious. Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's not as bad as like One Piece editing, but I thought I'd bring them up. We had to mention disco guns at least once in this podcast. So the Kigali, the Desert Dawn, managed to take out a Baku's legs. They don't actually blow him off, but they prevent it from moving. And then the Baku's counterattack and start wrecking jeeps. And we get some nice pain screams and explosions. Okay, yep. I love how the first one goes down to a Baku Mario Goomba stomping <laughs> on them. And then it just runs over the rest of them. Like, four of the eight-ish jeeps just immediately get Baku'd. So uh, Ahmed drives under one of the Bakus and Kigali and uh, Rambo bazooka it from behind. It looks like they're going to do an Empire Strikes Back thing, but they don't have lightsabers. So the Baku counterattacks and Rambo grabs Kigali and jumps up and poor Ahmed without his loses main character status and gets batted away like a cat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love the shot of uh, Sahib two-fisting, two dual-wielding these RPGs. He's got one in either hand to save Kigali and Rambo. And Saeb has a nice flashback to five minutes ago, also to save some animation. But it does a good job of showing what's in his head. And again, he looks super resigned. Like, I knew this was a bad idea. It is, but I had to do this. And just as a Baku is about to murder Saeb, the strike cavalry's in. Firing a giant green laser. It's pretty. Apparently, its uh, beam gun has two different calibers, depending on the dramatic <laughs> need of its firepower. So anyway, he misses the first few shots, but we get some more techno babble. But I actually really like it in this episode. That's actually technically a thing that would happen against like really hot sand. And yeah, in this in this kind of environment, the heat off the sand would actually cause your targeting to be a little bit. Although those are large enough targets, I really feel like that wouldn't be an issue. But he was far enough away that it could be an issue. But it feels like something realistic, and like here it's a combat skill. I don't want to say like Kira isn't just a badass, that's what makes him cool, but like get him getting to use his intelligence in a cool badass way is nice. 
instead of him just reprogramming another OS. <laughs> this seems like a modification you could make on the fly too. That actually does because if you knew the like if you knew how much the heat was deflecting your not lasers, then you could actually compensate for that if you knew some basic physics. So he compensates and shoots off one of the missile pods of the Bakus. And Andrew Welfell's like, ah! And now he goes into combat mode, like that traditional anime likes to fight thing. He gets way more of that in just a few moments. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's some straight-on L versus light stuff that's about to happen, and I love it. Uh, Zach and I were talking a bit about this episode. Zach said this might be his favorite fight in Gundam Seed. I don't think it breaks top five, but that's because there are some really uh, good fights. No, I, I... Is that not the one you're no, talking about? No, this is a different fight. Ah, this is the one I thought you meant. Okay. No. Th- there's another fight that is in this arc that I think is uh, far better. Okay. So while Kira is mobile suit fighting, Kigali's like, Oh, man, no, you're going to make it. And Ahmed's like, Kigali can- must confess my death. <laughs> so does anyone... I really like your cooking. <laughs> <laughs> So does anyone care about Ahmed? No. Uh, I never remember he's got a name. Yeah. Gundam Seed likes to pull this trick a lot where they introduce a character, characterize him a lot, and then kill him in the next episode. They did it with Flay's dad, and you kind of care because of the effect it has on Flay. They do it with Admiral Guy, and it works really well. They're starting to hit diminishing returns on it. Well, the problem is I don't feel like Ahmed actually really got a whole lot. Like Ahmed he's... is, like, attached to Kigali exactly. in a way. Like... They never really spend a great deal of time showing you Ahmed because you spend so much time with Kigali. I think Ahmed bef- has like three lines. And I think that's why those people on the flagships that went down feel more traumatic as a loss is because they're never shown directly with the main character who has way more going on. So they're like in isolation well, and that makes him more of a character. Well, on when the own. Admiral does like he shows up and he talks to pretty much everybody, but he has this moment with everybody just kind of chatting about it, but he also feels like a real character acting on his own. And then when he goes down, he goes down in a particularly important manner. Ahmed here, like he shows up attached to Kigali answers like a question and then is like the driver. Yeah. He's happy and and brash and attached to Kigali. And that's pretty much it. Like he, he is a, Character is, is I think, the best way to put it. He doesn't feel like a character. He feels like a cardboard cutout that happened yeah. to fall, be attached to Kigali he when he showed up. He is kind of flat compared to some of the other supporting characters who die immediately. And actually, I think I figured out why I dislike this arc so much. I think the entire Desert Dawn feels that way to me. Like, they're just sort of attached to Kigali. And I don't want to spoil too much, but going on, Kigali doesn't feel like she grew because of them. Like, Ahmed, like... The commander, the admiral, the admiral dying feels like it motivates Maru further, even though we never really flash back to that or have it said. It sort of feels like a presence. Ahmed dying doesn't feel like that. And like, I know why Kigali's with the Desert Dawn right now, but it never really feels, it feels almost like a huge coincidence when you look at the C- series from a high level. It's like a tabletop RPG backstory. I, I also feel as though the admiral dying also touched on Kira. Because I think the Admiral is a good chunk of why Kira stays around because of the conversation that the Admiral and Kira have. He doesn't try and get him to stay. He just kind of points out that people do what they can. 
Kigali's, and Kira, and that resonates with Kira. Yeah, I think another kind of problem is Kigali's a real interesting character, and I'm curious to see what we think of her at the end of the series, but I think here she's too dominant. She's too in your face, and that's definitely what her character is, but from like a, a spotlight point of view, she's overshadowing a bunch of stuff. Like, Rambo sticks around for a long time, and like I barely remember him, and Gundam Seed, one of the things it's done a great job at is balancing its giant cast. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, part of the problem is that everyone she's working with already assumes she's competent. So there isn't, in, I mean, maybe that's why you said but, that like, it doesn't Isaac like and Diarca are assumed to be competent. So that is true, but they serve as like antagonists for Kira. You know how I think this would, how this actually would have ended up working a little bit better is if she did stay behind and Ahmed died without her there. Yeah, that would have been way nicer, actually. And then she, like, feels remorseful about it later. Because that could be a character growth moment cause be, because of the fact that, you know, she wasn't there. But that's not really in her personality. Yeah, she would have gone but, at all costs. But Well, I'm saying I think but that But, like, Rambo could have stopped her. Rambo could have stopped her. She uh, Ahmed could have already been gone rather than pulling up and having her hop on his truck. And Kigali has a pretty good arc, but Ahmed's death isn't really part of it. She's an angry teenager, and now she's going to be an angry teenager. <laughs> Although, maybe she just wasn't that attached to him. She wasn't attached to him. He was attached to her. And so, the guy who got his legs blowed up is like, okay, I'm still good. And Walfelt calls him on the phone. He's like, nah, it's sexy time. You get out. I'm going to fight Kira on my own. We have to be men and bro fist and learn about each other with our punches. So, the Bakus don't have fists. I know, they suck, but it's all we got. (laughs) I know, it sucks. (laughs) So, Kira's about to kill another Baku when uh, he gets attacked from behind, and it's Walfelt time. Well, and Kira's like, oh, the other machine is still moving? That's a surprise. And Wolf has this great look of, like, ferocity as he starts the battle. And again, it's that anime trope of him being a different person in battle. But again, it doesn't feel like just an anime trope. It feels like it's just part of his personality. And this is why he got a cool nickname. Well, because, like, the first thing he does is immediately start overrunning Kira by actually using what are probably effectively standardized battle tactics. That his guys weren't using before. Yeah, well, I like how immediately they uh, regroup. Because they're like, oh man, he's on the field now. Yes, sir. Shows a certain amount of respect that his men have for him. It also shows he's a competent commander. Like, he feels like a badass who's thinking about the fight and good at it. And Kira also gets into, like, a thinking about the fight move. And it really it has that chess game feel. Like we were talking about a little earlier. And I think this fight really works because of that. Of course, Kira's in much more of a problem area because he doesn't have any pieces he can sacrifice. Oh, you say that. <laughs> because he actually pulls off. No, I, I, that is one of my favorite instances in this particular <laughs> fight is what's. It's so good. Oh, but yeah. so, I, I love that instance, but the we'll fight it itself is actually. So as they're fighting, Sexy Rambaral mentions it'll take exactly 76 missiles to bring down that phase armor. So first of all, how does he know how much charge the phase armor currently has? We well, don't know. We've it, seen him before, like, looking at data, though, and, like, he had that scout fight earlier. Okay, so that'll and, give it. And I think it's just showing he's smart and stuff. That it said, how many missiles the Bakus carry is more my... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, one, my question is, is how many of those missiles in the mass missile pack on the backs... How many reloads does that pack have installed? It looks is like it, is it a single shot pack two? or is it just I think it's it at least reloads? two, but it's hard to tell if that's just recycled animation or not. Yeah, it looks like it probably has enough for two per tube, but I don't know. So actually, my I was going to point this out earlier, but it shows Kira launching from the Archangel and it immediately like 
it launches without the phase armor on and turns the phase armor on, even though he's nowhere near an enemy. I'm like, that's just a waste of battery, man. You don't want to get sniped by unseen snipers. No, you're down to 74 missiles now because of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so basically his battle strategy is deplete the armor and suddenly he has no weapons. That sounds it's like a good idea. It's actually a pretty good strategy. It is. And he looks super intense while he's like talking about his strategy out loud but then he's also like so how are you gonna get out of this one like he seems like ah oh, finally a worthy foe too and kira is, so, is like, like better go super powers. saiyan <laughs> do they ever explain that sort of okay not really so then kira gets a cool missile dodge where he puts on the brakes and the missiles all hit each other my question is why doesn't it have flares yeah that's it, a good question it, yeah, See, it seems like an odd. Okay, so the explanation of the original Mobile Suit Gundam is homing missiles don't work on mobile suits because they naturally, the thing that powers them naturally messes with radar and stuff. Ah. So all missiles are, like, aimed. They're rockets. They're not actually... They're, okay, so they're Battletech missiles. Yeah, basically. And that flares aren't really useful against those, but I don't know if that's the case in Seed. So the three Bakus are coming at Kira in formation, and he charges them with his jetpack and just drops his shield and lets it slam into one, taking it out, yeah, which is he just, great. He just mic drops the shield on somebody's face and yeah. takes him out. It's it's a fantastic move, partly in my opinion, because we really haven't seen Kira expand his battle tactics at Beyond all or improvise. Things. We've seen him improvise a bit with like kicks yeah, and stuff and throwing his rifle, but this is where he gets real good at it. Well, no, like improvising in the sense of like realize like take what stock of the equipment can I use this for I, yeah, he's got he set a number of qu of equipment and not just i'm going to ditch the rifle for no apparent reason because he's still carrying his rifle at this point he just drops the shield because it's a matter of i can use this as a heavy object and take advantage of my gr much greater momentum and they're not is. going to expect me to drop my shield it's good on a number of levels and uh, two quick points i want to make i've talked a lot about how Early on, the series used a lot of stock footage of the Buster shooting its rifle and that one shot of the duel slashing something with a beam saber. Part of the reason the animation in this episode is so good is it uses almost no stock footage, and that lets them do really cool fight things like this when they can just free animate anything. I think the main ones that you... Because it does reuse the Baku's launching missiles. Yeah, I think it does. it does that a few times, but that's about it. Uh, there are also a few shots of Walfelt that are reused, but they're reused with different lines. Uh, the other thing is that this makes old Gundam shows really hard to go back to because they are so reliant on stock animation. And one of the things that makes Gundam Seed so good is how freeform it's allowed to be. You were saying that he had no pawns to sacrifice. That shield just became a pawn. I mean, it's part of a pawn. <laughs> it's, it's one of the uh, kinds on the crown of the king. <laughs> and Walfield's like, shoot from a bunch of different angles. And then he uh, pulls the beam saber and is wielding saber and sword because he has two hands and now he doesn't have the shield. And that's one of the reasons I like Gundam so much as opposed to more Battletech style mechs is their ability to improvise like this. And one of the reasons I like Seed so much is it's one of the series where we see the most yeah, of that. Actually Berserker happens. says hi. Uh, 100 uh, tons of nasty, nasty melee battle mech. It's also part of why the Bakus suck so much because they don't have hands to manipulate <laughs> objects like that. So sexy Robert Rawls like, I'm going to shoot a bunch of missiles, and Kira uses sand attack. Enemy Robert Rawls of accuracy <laughs> decrease. Although I I like that scene, but that missile's not going to detonate when it runs into a bunch of sand. So it basically, might. if you're not watching, he just does like a kick flip and kicks a bunch of sand up. It's really cool. Like Zach said, maybe it's probably not a literal wall of sand that's going to explode things, but it's cool. And then it makes that nice smoke screen. Did we get him? Of course not. He comes through and shoots you. 
<laughs> which is one of my favorite I mean, tropes. I, that is actually quite cool. The other thing about that is it the sand itself might not just cause the missiles to explode, but the missiles might lose their lock and just explode automatically. So then uh, after having one of his dudes killed, Sexy Rambaral suddenly gets pissed and manages to just charge Kira, who just slashes him and doesn't kill him, but takes off a limb and some missiles. And he's like, yep, we out. And the cast is like, oh, yep, uh, we out. <laughs> and uh, again, that anime trope of, oh, I haven't had so much fun in a long time. Finally, worthy of I, I actually was a kinda like, mercenary, I become his friend. I kind of <laughs> like that because of the fact that he lost the piece and you know clearly he's having you know fun as it were but in a lot of instances he turns around and keeps fighting but instead he's we're leaving especially yep. after he does the you know the the damn you rage it's usually like, well, that is class <laughs> usually that damn you rage means we're gonna fight go to yeah fight to the death instead it's god damn you suck and i'll be back later why well, well and i love how like Ramba Rawl's not really exerting himself. He's just, like, his machinery's outclassed. And then we cut to Kira, and Kira's totally exhausted from that. Like, if it had gone on any longer, Kira would have lost that fight, probably. Well, it's hard to say, because we're not really clear how long the seed state lasts. That and if is it's true. like, uh, I've turned it off, and now I'm exhausted. You know, like Barbarian Rage, D&D. When you turn it off, you're exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> For the I mean, it the makes fight. perfect you're sense. You're out of D12s. So Kira apparently went and got his shield back. Yeah, well, mean, you can't just leave it. Oh, well, clearly. Well, I wonder, I wonder how much of his other stuff he's just kind of left floating around. Like, how many Quite beam rifles are just floating <laughs> around Earth now? Yeah, quite. Oh, uh, well, I think he just throws the one. It's just in the opening sequence, so you... And it's a cool move. It sticks in your head. Maybe. Uh, so Kira disembarks, and he goes down. He looks at the remaining Desert Dawn people who, you know, have mixed expressions. Kigali just looks pissed. The other two uh, look sort of resigned. And Kigali goes, or Kira goes totally aggro. He's like, are you all trying to get yourselves killed? I can be an angry teenager, too. You guys suck. <laughs> to be fair, he's right. He's are not- you all trying to die? Okay. For the rest of this episode, Kira's not wrong. He's just an asshole. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like this particular scene. Not only am I right, I get to be an asshole while being right. Well, I really like it because then Kigali goes and lays into him like, basically, you know, we have a bunch of stuff to fight for and like, we need to avenge people and you're disrespecting them. And Kira gets pissed because he's like, and you think I haven't? Yeah, Kira no, knows what's going on, but then he, you know, says what he shouldn't. He says, what the hell can you protect when your only weapons are your feelings, which is great. And he slaps Kigali, which would be a little sexist, but she did get that punch in. So it kind of works. Well, and she just looks so stunned as a result. Like No one's hit her before. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's like both physically and verbally. He just slapped her. And yeah, he, he totally, he totally just bitch slapped her and right he, there. He is pissed and she's mostly just like stunned. <laughs> Well, to be fair, their stupid attack caught, had him fighting to save what was left, and he had to end up killing people. Yeah, but that's not Kigali's fault, too. He's like, is misguiding his rage. Because she wouldn't have gone, she wasn't voting for the let's attack party. She might have if she was there, but we, as the audience, know she wasn't, and she wasn't her idea. Uh, so I think part of the reason it incensed him so much is because she's like, you know, we're fighting desperately, and he's like, what do you think I'm doing all day? Yeah, well, yeah, I like I may have better gear, but you know what? I've got better gear. I've got better gear and I've got more people trying to kill me. Specifically, you guys have these guys running around attacking stuff. They're specifically trying to kill me. 
And if we're looking at Kira's arc, Virgin Kira would not have gone so aggro on him. But no, definitely not. No, no, no. In it's, fact, he probably would have like been mildly upset at her yelling at him. He would have honestly. been like Maru and Natarl, not sure what to do, right? And he would have gotten out and not been sure what to do. But now he's got to protect his hot girlfriend. So <laughs> that's episode 18. Uh, it's a real good one. The last one was real weak, but uh, that's a real good one. And next week is also a good one. It's where Sexy Rambaral really earns his name. <laughs> As Sexy Rambaral? <laughs> uh, yeah, both parts, actually. Because <laughs> it is straight up an episode of Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, high points, low points, all that. So, Tyler, this is your first time seeing the episode. What's your high point? Honestly, I think easily my high point is that slap at the end. There's a surprising amount of nuance going on there. I don't know. I really like it. Well, especially the animation of Kigali when he hits her. Like, there's actually a surprising amount of work done on that animation. The animation could just be a high point of this episode. Uh, But what's your high point, Zach? The mic drop of the shield. Yeah, that's Uh, also really good. Like, uh, that is... One of my favorite moves that anybody pulls off in almost any Gundam series. Well, actually, what's great about that is I don't think I've ever seen that in any other show. That's why it's one of my favorite yeah. moves. <laughs> so what I'm going to say is the reason this fight is real, real good, but doesn't break top five is there's not a lot of emotion behind it, right? The emotion is on Kigali, and she's sort of having a slow moment. And like I said, it's not emotion that really impacts the series. But I really love like Kira and Ramba Rolls like smart off in the cockpit where they're just like, they're like the genius bruisers going at each other, and we get to cut into the cockpit and see what they're doing. I really like their back and forth and how it feels like a chess game with giant robots. Well, especially when you consider that like the, the real fight breaks out after Kigali's like, semi-emotional moment, and the people who are actually going at each other have nothing to do with that. Don't really have anything to do with it. Kira doesn't know any of that's happened by the time when he shows up. Yep. He shows up, starts trying to help him, and uh, people start shooting at him. I actually, I also really like how intense Walpel gets. Like, he is super into this, and he's been not into anything thus far, so. Coffee, he's into coffee. Yeah, but not not in the <laughs> same way. Coffee's a different Doesn't thing. Doesn't like more. like coffee. He only <laughs> like likes fighting. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a low point, Tyler? Yes, I'm trying to pick it, because there are actually a couple candidates. Um, I mean, I'm probably going to go for the easy target and the lack of emotional impact of Ahmed's death. That was just kind of lame. It, I don't know. It seems kind of sad to say, this guy's death was lame, but it was kind of lame. Zach? Can I just say the entire <laughs> Desert Dawn? <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you. They're sure. mostly gone now. So the, I can see where they have a place in the story. Really, they needed more of their own rather than being Kigali's coattails. Yeah, and I think I, they honestly just feel like a set piece for introducing Kigali. They to have less character group. than the Magnat Corps, which is surprising and kind of scary. Yeah, and like I said, I think that's why I dislike this arc so much and why I skip it a lot of time when I watch Gundam Seed again. That said, this episode is a great microcosm of that circle of retaliation that I think is actually the main theme of Gundam Seed. And I do really like it. But yeah, the Desert Dawn needed a little more work. Maybe we could skip the awful water episode that's coming up to just give them a character episode. I think that might be the worst episode of the series. We'll see. It might not be worse than the Asteroid episode. Asteroid episode? Yeah, the, the one, one where they go to the oh, uh, man, I Umbrella of Artemis for no freaking they reason. They did have that one great scene. Yeah, with, yeah they had that <laughs> where scene. Where they're all with, pretending with, to panic. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it's probably better than water episode. But we'll see. <laughs> 
Zach doesn't even remember water episode. That's how pointless it is. Um, well, I don't know what you're talking about. The one where he fights underwater. <laughs> oh. <laughs> God. That episode exists for no absolute, for absolutely no, it, no reason. It exists because Amaro fought underwater robo suits. Uh, so I still got to pick a low point. I'm going to say. Not enough to Costa? Uh, no. I was going to say that we haven't met Sexy Rumble World's wife yet. It's what? not next episode. What? That's the problem. Oh, that's not next episode? <laughs> no, that is next episode. Oh, okay. This isn't next episode. Uh, uh, okay. So next episode is the, one I, is the one I was thinking of. So you know in the opening scene there's that shot of Sexy Rumble Raw? Uh, it's like a... Se- okay. Oh, yeah, with that... Ch- yeah. Like it's a half-second flash. Yeah, with his wife, uh, who's great. Uh, his, his wife is pretty awesome. And we'll meet her next episode, Fangs of the Enemy. That is right. a great title. It That's is. a tiger. Uh, do we have any other final thoughts on this episode besides it's real, real good? It, it is real, real good. Honestly, that fight is great. So I actually kind of thought this episode was mediocre until we talked about it for an hour, and yes. suddenly I have a much higher impression sort of it. Sort of the same here, but the animation is real good. We finally get that Natarl character moment that it's sad it didn't come up in best parts, but all the moose stuff, there were so many good things. We didn't have any more awkward Flay Kira side triangle. Don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> but... <laughs> I do we got to forget we, about it for I do episode. also wish we'd had more Moo in this episode, but... He was actually in it quite a bit. I know, but he wasn't part of the fight. I want to see what the Sky Grasper can do, because we haven't gotten to see what it can do yet. All right, so join us next time for Fangs of the Enemy, another real good episode. Bye! kebabs oh yes sir i'm so tired and hungry well why don't we dig in huh first add some of this chili sauce hold it right there wait just a moment how could you stoop to put chili sauce on your kebab now this yogurt sauce that's the proper thing to add to such a dish mm-hmm. or rather than saying it's the proper thing how should i put it hmm right not adding yogurt sauce to this dish is considered a form of sacrilege against Donair kebabs. You got a screw loose or something? Who invited you anyway? You've got no right to walk up to strangers and tell them how to eat their food. Oh, what a terrible waste.